0: Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. Great to have you here. You know, I've shared many stories over the years. And some come back to haunt me, to reinvigorate me from time to time. I wanted to share my thoughts on second impressions. Because sometimes it's the second impression that is the truest one of all. We often say, trust your first impression, but sometimes we need to go a bit beyond to find out the truth of an individual, of a person or place. See, once while I was traveling alone in Scotland, I found myself sharing a pint with a feisty elderly woman in a crowded Edinburgh pub. She was dispensing counsel like beer to any within earshot. She didn't think much of the fact that the only part of Scotland I'd managed to see was the monument-strewn confines of its capital, Edinburgh. Here now, the weathered Scotswoman in tone. You can't much speak a sea in Scotland, lest you've into to the hills. Now by the hills, my pub mate meant the Highlands. I was informed it would be a bit of a train ride to the base and then a journey by bus a wee ways up and beyond. Catching the twinkle in her eye, I surmised that this local character might just know something I didn't, so... Onto the hills it was the next morning. Arriving at Inverness, I caught a bus traveling with a potpourri of other tourists deep into the highlands. At some point along the way in the middle of what appeared to be nowhere in particular, the driver pulled the bus to the side of the road. Now, rather peculiarly, peculiarly, He insisted we get out. Okay, you try to say it. (laughs) It was peculiar, I thought, that he pulled us over to the side. And he insisted we get out and take a look around. Now, had this happened in America, I might have thought the driver was camouflaging a, a bus problem of some sort. But hey, this was the Scottish Highlands. Maybe he was heeding the call of nature. Who knew? So I disembarked. I immediately understood the need to stop, because there, and I'll never forget it, standing in this shrouded peekaboo mist was a sight of unmitigated wonder. Bountiful trees danced in a glen. A gurgling stream wended its way through fern and fen. You know, I inhaled that sweet air and let out a, small gasp at the glory of this piece of earth. Imagine if I had just stayed in Edinburgh, hadn't pushed a little beyond. And at that moment, unbeknownst to me, the driver had caught my gaze and quietly sidled up to share the joy of my discovery, whispering softly in my ear, he could have been the craggy old pint drinker I'd met down in Edinburgh who'd sent me here. Aye, laddie, he whispered. Now you've seen Scotland. I often tell that tale because it gets me thinking. The experience of discovering the real soul of a place is similar to discovering the real soul of a person. People may not reveal their beauty or their uniqueness on first blush. We might have to give them some time, be willing to travel just a little further to truly see them. I had a friend, Leslie, once detoured through a rather bleak part of L.A. known as the Nickel, Fifth Street, which is part of Skid Row. Less than 10 blocks from City Hall, 20 from the majestic Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and the Amundsen Theater. It was a section of the city my friend had never entered. Like most Angelinos, if you didn't have to go there, why would you? A series of rundown storefronts peopled with panhandlers and street people. I mean, trust me, it's a bleak picture, and I've been there a number of times now. But caught in a traffic detour through the underbelly of the city, Leslie was simply praying that the detour signs would lead her out just as fast as the lights would take her. I mean, she just did not want to be sitting there, and she felt a bit as if she were in danger. And suddenly her car came to a halt, and with it her heart. The car had stalled out. Quickly, she gave it the gas, flipping the ignition, nothing. Looking around at the depressing scene of denizens in dirty clothing, hunched in boxes for housing, she redoubled her efforts. But again, no sale. The engine would not respond, and now she was panicking. How was she going to get out of here? And then she saw him. A man in torn clothing and unkempt hair and he was making his way out into the street and straight for her. I mean, my friend began to hyperventilate, she told me later. Closing all the windows, locking every door and she looked up again. Maybe she was mistaken. Maybe the man was crossing over and would bypass her. No such luck. The wild, matted figure with the ripped overcoat was indeed but yards away from her car. Only now, something else came into view. Because he was dragging something, some long meshed bag of who knows what, and my friend's heart rate went into overdrive. This was it. The man was going to pull some weapon, some scrap of metal from that bag, break through the window. That would be it. Leslie heard the knock on the window and looked up, from the gears where her eyes had fallen in silent prayer. She was facing the wild street person who was pointing at his bag, then back at the car. He was saying something, but what with Leslie's windows being closed airtight and the pounding coming from her chest, she couldn't make it out. Suddenly, the man went to the front of the car, and opened the hood reaching into the bag he pulled out something that looked like pliers and to my friend's alarm began tooling around now i should point out that this all occurred before the proliferation of cell phones or else leslie a high-powered attorney might have had the entire downtown force of the lapd rushing to her rescue now this was years ago but the story is as powerful as it today as it was then. Because next thing you know, the wild-haired man had taken out Leslie's battery. He again knocked on the window. Leslie thought he was going to, I don't know, do what? Attack her? Beat her with it? Something awful at any rate. But the man looked quite serious. And truth be told, she said later, rather earnest, So she relented and rolled out the window a crack, and that's when she heard the words that astounded her. It's your battery, ma'am. You see, I used to be a mechanic in the Army. Got down on my luck, but I still know my way around a car. Luckily, I just happened to have a replacement. Still got some life in her. And with that he reached into his bag and to my friend's utter astonishment pulled out a used battery. In a few moments, he had installed it in the car. Chagrined, her stereotype shot to hell, Leslie got out of the car as the stranger flagged down a passerby to help jumpstart the engine. In this gift of goodness, Leslie, told me she saw the soul of a fellow human being willing to put himself out for a stranger in need. Was she willing to do the same, she asked herself. Leslie was so moved, she eventually became involved in a Skid Row effort known as the Chrysalis Center that I was involved with for years. She helped other people down on their luck get not a handout, but a hand up. By going off the regular route of her life, Leslie had encountered a miracle of human giving that awakened meaning in her life. Have you ever had an encounter like that? Are we even open to them? We need to be. Because she became involved in the lives of others, she saw them differently, more completely even as my journey into the highlands of Scotland gave me a fuller picture of its majesty, all from listening to an elderly woman sharing a pint with me in a pub in Edinburgh. And I learned, as Leslie learned, it takes the same existential journey, willingness to go beyond what we've grown accustomed to, in order to truly know others. And perhaps most important, to uncover and receive the hidden beauty in ourselves. Sometimes it might just take getting off the road of life to truly see where we're going. My friends, each of us has highlands in our lives. And if we're willing to go a wee ways beyond There's no telling the wonders we'll receive by giving life the chance to make a second impression. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this, this is All That Matters.